Good morning. Uh, thank you for that, uh, that kind introduction, Karsten. Uh, it is John and it is John Hugh. So uh, whatever you, you prefer. We had a, uh, a great visit last night outside uh, or outside here. And uh, afterwards, uh, one of the big questions was, is it John or John Hugh? So anyway, it's, it's both. But if it's uh, whatever's easiest, uh, John can be uh, the easiest thing. Uh, first off, get your Bibles ready uh, and you can turn to 1 Corinthians 3. However, I do want to uh, share a little bit uh, about us first because uh, I loved what Karsten said, well, I love so much, I mean, just about what you said in terms of expositional preaching, uh, which we will get into uh, 1 Corinthians 3, verses 5 through 23, but also about church planting, uh, and it sounds like, you know, y'all are just ready to plant another church. I mean, praise God. Uh, and, you know, you can tomorrow. At the same time, uh, you probably need a little seasoning, you know, and, and prayer and, and things like that before you just jump off and, uh, and, and get to it. But I do want to talk today about why help plant churches from this passage. Uh, but before I do that, I want to tell you a little bit about us as a church planting uh, family. Uh, because you don't, you know, you just, some of you just met me yesterday, uh, or you're just meeting me right now, or meeting us right now. I do, I'll say this, I've grown to love Frankfurt. And the key word there is grown, okay? Because, uh, you know, I, I've always kind of been, I'm American, I'm from Mississippi, my wife's from California, we met in Boston uh, at seminary, so we've kind of been all over, but I've always been more of a Europhile, okay, if that's a word. I am a Francophile, France, but I've been a Europhile, but I always looked at Frankfurt a little bit differently, maybe like, you know, I was like, ah, oh, it's kind of, okay, it's Europe, it's, it's Germany, but like, isn't it like really American, or like a lot of banks, or, you know, and uh, so I came a couple years ago. And then came again last year, and I've grown to love Frankfurt because I've loved so many people here. Uh, initially, Karsten, and then Melanie, uh, but then Naomi and Matthew, a lot of people from this church, uh, frankly. But then Sam, uh, he talked about River of Life, uh, the pastor, River of Life, Sam and Dez. We assessed with them through the IBC and got to know them. I had breakfast with Sam yesterday. So they're close to our heart. Now uh, Tim and Jackie Faulkner, I don't know if you know, that. I think he's preached here. Uh, we stayed with him. So Frankfurt is, is a hub of a lot of people that we're connected with and care about. And, uh, and then my dad is a banker. Uh, I mean, I'm not. Uh, and he, it's a very small town bank. But anyway, I, uh, I appreciate uh, all that God is doing in Frankfurt in the church. Uh, but also there is a lot of capacity here. Uh, for the gospel to uh, reach out to all the world, uh, both English language and the world comes to Paris and the world also comes to Frankfurt uh, in different ways. So this is a very strategic global city and uh, love the vision that some of what Karsten and Sam and others have shared here and excited to be in partnership with you. And I hope that uh, as we grow together, you will be excited to be in partnership with what is happening in Paris, and also that you will come to see uh, us in Paris. Uh, our church is EIC, Emmanuel International Church, uh, Rive Gauche. That's, uh, that's my uh, broken country French coming out there. Rive Gauche, okay, which means left bank. So we're situated on the left bank. But before we planted there, uh, we are uh, the Tates, my wife Linda, son Jack, Logan, Ethan's out there, Jack. 
You can stay awake. Did y'all get any sleep last night? A bit. Uh, Jack also has grown to uh, get to know Titus and Nathan back there. Nathan, you, I know you got some sleep because you're like running me. So don't, uh, but they hung out last night. And so the blessing of family. And so we've been in Paris for nearly three years. And uh, before that, I pastored and planted, or we planted, uh, in Jackson, Mississippi. Jackson, Mississippi. So coming from, I know, wow. Uh, Coming from Jackson to Paris. Again, I've always been a Francophile in that uh, I was actually a French major in college. I know, you're like, what college was that? Uh, But uh, I was a French major. Uh, I lived abroad for a year in Savoie. I love the Alps. Uh, We just got back from the Alps, so love that. And uh, we always had, my wife grew up in The Hague and Indonesia, uh, but I feel like God has given us a global heart because even with our church, as we grew it and pastored it for 13 years in Jackson, Mississippi, uh, we were very intentional about forming international partnerships, uh, first in Honduras, then India, then UAE, then Italy. And I was going regularly to these four spots. And then the Lord just began to work in our heart over the course of a number of years. So it was slow and gradual to do something more full-time, long-term abroad. And uh, we, as a a Europhile, we did look at Europe. And then from Italy to possibly Denmark, we got connected to, as Carson said, Emmanuel International Church in Paris that had this vision Uh, that Paris was also such a a big global city, 11 million people in Ile-de-France, 3 million they say, uh, now you said 150,000, I bet that number's higher for Frankfurt, but they say Paris is uh, 3 million uh, English, either your native language or speak it just as well as French. Uh, So, you know, it's a big hub for expats, it's a big hub for immigrants, big hub for students, big hub for dreamers, you know, that just want to come and live the Parisian life uh, for a season, or that may turn into all of life. So it's a big hub for English speakers as well. So we uh, had that vision shared for us. This is EIC. It is a uh, church that was planted in 1963, but then they planted another church in the city in 2018, and they have a vision to plant more churches, and that vision was very compelling to me uh, as a planter, and to be what we call a family of churches, which really y'all are too with, uh, there's that y'all, okay, really y'all are too with River of Life, and uh, just to plant more churches, uh, really beacons of light, the light of Christ in the city of light, and that was, you know, very briefly a compelling vision that began to lead us to Paris, and we moved there again. And uh, after COVID, we got stuck in the U.S. with COVID, like, like many of us probably got stuck with life. And that was a, a challenging season for us. But we've uh, been here nearly three years and have grown in that time from our, our boys, three boys being acclimated to our, our life, our family, our marriage, acclimating uh, to this adjustment. And we planted last Easter although it started kind of in a core group before that, we planted on a Sunday morning a new church, EIC again, Reeve Gush. And uh, it's on the left bank. uh, And through God's provision, uh, and that may be the most important key phrase of all this, through God's provision and providence, uh, he opened doors literally for us to start a church and meet on Sunday afternoons, which they'll do this afternoon. 
at a bar or a cafe or in French, a brasserie. And it is called uh, Le Donfer, Donfer Cafe on Donfer Rochereau, which is a main square. It's known as the crossroads of Rive Gauche. Uh, you have many train lines and metro lines going through there. And uh, a square, a place uh, that I have grown to love. And so we meet at this cafe, uh, and we've been doing that for nearly a year. And the, uh, the owners are of Muslim faith. They'll be, uh, they've told me they'll be celebrating Ramadan here over the next month. But we have grown to love them. They have grown to love us. One of the key points of the life of this church was earlier uh, last year, right around the summer, and there's a, there's a French lady, and, uh, and she, uh, she has been a nun, uh, but she is, uh, she's coming to our church now. But one time we were walking down the street after church, and I was walking her to the metro, and she said, you know, the owners, Louisa and Amin, that's their names, she said, you know, they're not doing it for the money anymore. Uh, meaning like they care about us, they uh, enjoy our presence there, and um, they're listening to the Word of God every Sunday afternoon. And, and I would argue too, you can't be that exposed to God's Word and worship without something happening Amen. supernaturally. Amen. Yes. You, it, it's just impossible. Amen. So if she's sitting behind the bar, the counter, and, uh, and listening to our worship leader lead and uh, like Naomi does here and, and listening uh, to the gospel. I mean, it's going to have an impact. So we were out last Sunday as well uh, on a family holiday. And uh, my worship leader texted me and he said, just so you know, we do, well, my phone's down there. He, we do the songs on a QR code, the church planting life. And, uh, and he said, just so you know, Luis and I mean are pulling up the songs and singing with us. So, you know, yeah, just praise God. So we have, uh, we, have we average, uh, my wife says 40, I, I usually do the preacher's count, I, I think 35 to 40, we average that on a, on a, on a Sunday. Uh, we had 65 on Christmas Eve, that was a blessing that, uh, you know, some friends from our family of churches came there. But it's really been, uh, for me, and I love church, and look, I love to preach, and I love I, I believe in the church and churches, but I love church planting. I love, you know, seeing things that don't exist yet and a vision for that. And I just think the world needs more churches. And I do feel that God's called us to help start new expressions of the gospel. And, uh, and so we're, we are, I say we're, we're doing this. I mean, we're trying to commit our life to it uh, with, with God's help and his providence and his uh, provision. But uh, as I'm about to say in a minute, can't do that alone. So we need uh, your help, uh, your prayers, your encouragement, your relationships. Uh, that's why I've told Carson it's important to be here. And I'm thankful that you give me an opportunity to share both God's word and a part of our vision that uh, this, this, this partnership, this pipeline between Paris and Frankfurt can grow and be cultivated because... Uh, there's just a, a lot of need. And, and as I look at, out here, I probably can see a lot of different uh, nationalities and different languages. And, uh, and we have that too. God's really orchestrated right now where our church, it's not like an American expat church. I mean, you can go from China to Iran to India to France to the UK to Holland to South Africa to Brazil to Venezuela and have all been uh, either through our doors or really, you know, stayed uh, within our church life. So uh, loving that and, um, and loving ministering in this uh, context. 
So pray for us, uh, but at the same time, I want to talk to us biblically, because that's the most important reason why we're together, about why we should individually, collectively, as a church, help plant churches. Uh, because it's, it's very, um, you know, it can be very difficult, uh, I think, to do that. Because we really get into our uh, bubbles of church life and our church or our big church, or our little church. Or, and uh, I think the, the enemy, if I can use that, and sin can trap us into not seeing outside uh, the walls of our church, which God is doing great things. But I think God, I do believe God pushes us and pushes us and pushes us to expand uh, the kingdom of God to neighbors and nations. And in places like Frankfurt and Paris, neighbors, you know, the nations are our neighbors. And uh, so both locally, but regionally, uh, in places like Europe and across the world. So, I want to look at this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and I'm going to read verse 5 through 23, and then we'll talk about a few things on, uh, related to why help plant churches. So this is, uh, you know, Paul writing to the church that he planted uh, in Corinth, but yet he was not isolated or alone because he had help both internally and then externally, as we will see his, uh, his friend in the gospel and co-worker in the gospel, Apollos, also helped to grow this church. Starting in verse 5. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? They are servants through whom you believed. And each has the role the Lord has given. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his own reward according to his labor. For we are God's co-workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to God's grace that was given to me, I have laid a foundation as a skilled master builder, and another builds on it. But each one is to be careful how he builds on it. For no one can lay any other foundation than what has been laid down. That foundation is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become obvious, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire." The fire will test the quality of each one's work. If anyone's work that he has built survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will experience loss. But he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Don't you yourselves know that you are God's temple and that the Spirit of God lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and that is what you are. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks he is wise in this age, let him become a fool so he can become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God, is foolishness with God, since it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the reasonings of the wise are futile. So let no one boast in human leaders, for everything is yours, where the Paul or Apollos, or Cephas, or the world, or life, or death, 
or things present or things to come. Everything is yours and you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. Let's pray together. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you for this time again that we have in worship and in looking into your word. And so now uh, just let your word continually uh, speak to us both individually and collectively. And let some of the things that uh, could be on our mind or on our hearts or burdens on our shoulders be lifted by the power of your spirit so that we hear and see and see uh, exactly uh, your desires that would become our desires uh, for your glory in our lives and through uh, this church and your church. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so in this passage, uh, and you know, again, I'm not uh, just here one time, and I was really thinking and praying throughout the last week or so about uh, a passage that would speak to us. So, you know, I'm not going through 1 Corinthians, but I think this shows a lot about uh, church planting for us. And uh, I would break it down into three parts. So I would say uh, the sharing of church planting, the foundation of church planting, and the need for church planting. So the sharing of church planting, the foundation of church planting, and the need uh, for church planting. For the sharing, I think the key verse for me that the Lord used and speak as I meditate on this passage uh, is verse 8. And I did highlight it as I read it. I love this. It says, now he who plants and he who waters are one. And that really struck me as I, I was reading through this. And each will receive his own reward according to his labor. See, often we think about church planting and we'll say like, well, we need a planter. We need, we need to raise up you know, a planter in our midst. Or we need to, to look to people with a certain, I don't know, skill set. I mean, I've been to conferences and probably Carson you have too that like you know entrepreneurial or you know creating things out of nothing and there's some there's some truth in that but church planting is it's a shared endeavor uh, it's not isolated to one individual or one family uh, you need sending churches as you all have been uh, you do need individuals but you need teams people who have different gifts and you do, as I said at the beginning, you need to pray through that, uh, let it be saturated with prayer, uh, and share in the work. And I, I feel like Paul is highlighting this for the church in Corinth, because the church in Corinth were, I mean, I've always heard it said, you know, if you want to feel good about your church, read the Corinthians, you know, the letters to Corinthians, uh, meaning that there was so much going on as new Christians, as young Christians, as Christians in a, in a very powerful uh, Greek context that thought about uh, philosophy and, uh, and the secular world, much like Europe, much like France, I, I would say, and uh, visions and uh, illusions of uh, what life should be like uh, and sexuality and family life. Anyway, so Paul is saying here, you know, it's not one person. Because there had been debate about, you know, I follow uh, Cephas, which is Peter. I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. I follow Christ. He's saying this is a shared endeavor, that there are certain specific gifts that God gives, uh, as he says here, uh, according to God's grace that was given to me uh, in verse 10, according to God's grace that was given to him. He laid the foundation as a skilled master builder, but other people build upon it. Uh, Apollos uh, waters it, 
And, and I think about uh, even us as a church plant, as a new, and we're still new, we're less than a year old. You know, we have planted it, but that's a big we. Our family and then some other people came on board like, man, it's such a gift. Uh, and I, I've told Naomi this, you know, two years, I mean, uh, beautiful gift to lead worship. Man, I can't sing. I mean, I, I can, I think I can sing kind of, <laughs> Linda shaking her head. But like, you know, you know, a little story about us uh, planting. We didn't know when we were going to start. Uh, my wife, I mean, thankful for her. She was pushing for last Easter. I was like, man, I, I was tentative. I was like, I don't know, maybe need to wait it out and get more people together. But then it, the God revealed to me, I mean, through her, but then also me, he's like, man, I've given you a worship leader. I've given you a place. Just start. <laughs> you know, you've got the word of God. Just start. And because uh, I couldn't sing, but I didn't have a place, but God provided that. But it's a shared endeavor. And that's a beautiful thing that God brings different people together. And then and this is where I want to encourage you guys. Definitely some that I've gotten to know, but others too. You know, you're helping water EIC Reeve Gosh, whether you know it or not. I mean, just allowing us to be here and giving us a weekend of relationships and saying, you know, we want to grow uh, this partnership. We want to grow this pipeline. Who knows what we could do across uh, Europe together? And I love the vision, you know, that Karsten is you know, with us being here, putting forth, like it's local in Frankfurt, but you know, it's, it's regional, it's uh, European as well. And so just very, very thankful that you, I mean, you've watered us, you've encouraged us in the 48 hours that we've been here. And so it is this, uh, it is this shared endeavor, uh, the sharing of church planting. And I always want to try to highlight, no one can do it on their own. Uh, no church can do it on their own. And I hope we can be a resource to you guys as, uh, as you all look to plant even more here, that, you know, it, it's just collaborative. I mean, God has put us all together, and um, I hope we can remember that verse 8. He who plants and he who waters are one. Uh, we're one in the Lord, and uh, we want to share the gifts God's given for the kingdom uh, and for his glory as, as we move forward together. And I hope you'll begin seeing that more and more uh, even in uh, months and, and years uh, to come. So it's not just the sharing of church planting, but also what's so important, obviously, the foundation of church planting. And the key verse uh, that the Lord gave me is verse 11 in this. No one can lay any other foundation than what has been laid down. That foundation is Jesus Christ. The foundation of all of our churches and the foundation of new churches has to be Jesus Christ. Now, you might say, well, isn't, isn't that a given? You know, I mean, that, that's, that's the point, right? I mean, yes, of course. But we've got to intentionally, again, as Carson said earlier, the marks of a healthy church, uh, preaching uh, from God's word, viewing uh, God's word as uh, the foundation, putting uh, in the building blocks of discipleship, uh, making disciples, sending uh, them uh, into all the world for Christ. Uh, he is our foundation. And I say that too because often, and I'm getting really honest here, in church planning, the foundation and I planted two churches now, so I do know the temptations of this. Uh, often in church planning, the foundation can not be Christ. We can give a good 
cover story for Christ, but the foundation can really be our kingdom and our glory and our egos. You know, I, I would argue, and I argue it because, I, look, I think it's a continual life journey, but um, the journey of discipleship through one's life is moving from hubris to humility. God take us from hubris. You know what hubris means? It's about us. Okay, well then, thank you for saying. It's, it's about us. It's our, our deal. It's our ability. We do it. Uh, I, look, I know this as a pastor, and probably Carson does too, and, because I, and I know other pastors that fight against hubris, because it's, it's kind of a tricky deal. You know, one individual uh, getting up Sunday after Sunday, uh, which is, is a, who is a vessel that God uses uh, to communicate his word. But that temptation, the enemy has gotten pastor after pastor and planter after planter to buy into the lie, oh, it's all about you. No, it's not. But we can believe that. And the sin that's in us, what we just, what we just sang about, which is what's beautiful, is that uh, the enemy will attack and you know, want to make it, hey, it's all about you. You're necessary. And we're really not. I mean, if, if God took up EIC Reeve Ghosh, I mean, he would do another work. I mean, we get to also share with him in church planting. And he is the giver of good gifts. And he does want us to collaborate and use it. But the foundation is Christ. Now, I used individuals. I've also seen churches that have been like, well, this is our deal. Like River of Life is our, our gig. You know, we planted that. And, and we can be uh, enveloped in, in the pride of our work, our mission, our ministry. Look at what all God's doing here. And we have to um, humble ourselves in that it's not about us. It is about Christ and what he is doing. And making less of ourselves, even as we do teach and preach and share and lead worship and disciple Less about us, but more and always about uh, Christ. You know, I, I've always said too, you know, I, sometimes I think, and this is like, you know, that, that hubris coming out. I've thought, you know, I, I love culture and language, you know, so much and, uh, and customs. Even though, I mean, I can't speak French. But, you know, I mean, I like, I like the idea of me speaking French or I like the idea of learning French or learning other language. And that's that, uh, that hubris uh, coming in. It's like, you know, I'd love to just plant anywhere in the world. I mean, God opened doors to Paris, but I love the, the culture and, and the, the language and, and those things. The richness of the world uh, and of life. But I can... I have to really guard against that because I know I'm doing it for, for myself more. And I got to pull back and stay in God's word and stay humbled with, with other leaders and brothers as, as pastors. It, it's about Jesus. You know, it's, it's not my gig. It's, it's not my deal. It's, it's for Jesus. And it is for going out into the world and littering the world with lights uh, of Christ across Paris, Frankfurt, all over the world. Uh, but we got to keep ourselves in check. That's why, I mean, another mark is healthy leadership structures um, so that we can always be, you know, the foundation, the life of this church is, is Jesus. And Jesus always, Jesus only. 
no matter who comes in and out of our doors daily, annually, or across decades. It's about Jesus. Because one day, I will definitely not be at EIC Reeve Gauche. You know, and I want the foundation to be established for Christ. And one day, Karsten, I, sorry if I'm saying this, one day, Karsten will not be at uh, ICF. And one day, you may not be at ICF. But Christ will. And Christ will continue the work throughout years. And the foundation is him. And the reasoning for all that, uh, in, in some ways, you know, this is almost just as important. It's not as important as Jesus, but it's so important to Jesus. I'll say that is the need for church planting. The need, you know, like, why? Well, Carson already laid it out. I want to do so biblically. I mean, he, he mentioned those 150,000, probably more, but 150,000 people that probably don't have a connection to a church and probably don't have a connection to another Christian. So the answer is simple, why plant churches? The need for church planting is the people, the individuals, the families, all these people uh, that God loves. The, uh, the vision for our church in, in Paris, and I'm going to get into the end of this passage here in a minute, but the vision for our church, uh, we want it to be a sending church that has a heart for Paris, the world, and the other person. That's very important uh, to us, being uh, a sending church that uh, we've seen in Paris, you know, uh, the world comes to Paris. People love coming through Paris. So we've had people come for a week on vacation and go to church and pop in. Google Maps is great for us. I mean, just, it's amazing. People just Googling English-speaking church and, and, you know, that's how they find us. It's amazing. But uh, they come for a couple weeks on like an internship, a student, maybe a semester, uh, maybe a year. Uh, we've got a lot of students, a lot of young adults. I mean, uh, right now we're the, we're the old folks. We are old folks, but I mean, I'm the old folks of the church. Uh, it's a lot of young students. But we want to be a sending church to make good deposits of people and send them back to their home, to their home country. Uh, and hopefully, well, we know that God will use uh, what's been given to them in their time in Paris. We do want to have a heart for parents because, as I said, there are three million people that think of English as really their first or one of their first languages. Uh, we want to have a heart for the world because the world is in Paris and it's already in our little church. And the other person, and that's a key part of our, our vision, and that, is, uh, that comes from John 10, 16, which is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I think it's John's missionary verse. I argue that. Where Jesus said, there are others not of this fold. There are others not of this fold. I must go to them. They will hear my voice. And there will be one flock with one shepherd. There are always others. We could run the course of our life and there are others. So if we follow Jesus and he goes to others, what do we do and where are we going? We're not sitting in the tribe that, that Christ has built up. Yes, we're there for discipleship. But we, as you drive out of here, you're entering the mission field and the others in your life at work and at school and maybe in your family and maybe in your marriage. But there are others and Jesus is going to them. And if we follow him, we're to go to those other people. We can't be just self-satisfied with definitely what we haven't done anything, what God is doing in our midst because he wants, he, he wants to reach the world, the nations, uh, because he loves them. So these uh, I think he shows us this need in the passage because look at what Paul says. He's uh, really identifying 
the need that we have as human beings uh, for the Lord, for Christ, because uh, not only can we make you know, idols uh, of ourselves or our churches as Christians, uh, and an idol, by the way, is a good thing that God gives that becomes the ultimate thing. Okay? And so here, I think he's showing us the idols that people can have of the mind, of the body, and of our desires. Look at this. And so the need for church planning is to reach these other people and show them that it's only Jesus. Nothing else will satisfy us. Uh, no other uh, idol will, will give us what we want, what we desire. First, he says, uh, you know, on the foundation, uh, the foundation of our lives, so I'm talking here not about churches, but the foundation of our lives, will be tested. The fire will come, it says in verse 13. The fire will test the quality of each one's work. And so first, and I say this to uh, a lot of our young adults and students, life's going to come at you. You know, life is just going to come at you. You know, it may be, uh, it may be in your marriage. It may be through a past divorce, through a broken marriage. It may be through miscarriages. It may be, you know, a desire, the idol of this type of family or your vision for a family that is not realized. It may be health. It may be career, uh, as in the career you dreamed of, the idol of your career doesn't happen. It may be depression. It may, life is going to come at us. So what is that foundation? We have to have the secure, the strong, the eternal foundation of our lives in Jesus Christ. Eternal. And people need that. And if we have it, then in love, we, we need to desire. We need, but it should be an overflowing joy that we just want to desire it. We want to desire to share it with people. That the foundation of our lives can be Christ. Uh, you know, it says here, Don't you know that you are God's temple and the Spirit of God lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and that is what you are. I think that's Paul alluding to also a lot of times our, our idols are our own bodies. Good grief, at least in culture, the, the body and the way you look or or, or seem, or dress, or, you know, that's such uh, idolatry. And the need for church planting is to, and that's tied to sexuality uh, a lot of times, from TV series to things you see on photos. And the need for church planting is, again, if your foundation, if the foundation of our life uh, is on Christ, uh, to show them that, yes, the body is a good gift uh, that should be cared for, but it's a temple of the Lord. Uh, we were watching a, um, a Bible uh, story. It's a great uh, series uh, on, on video or YouTube. We could give you the link. But talking about how, you know, Christ deposits the Holy Spirit in us. And that, you know, moving, it was a video on the temple from the Old Testament, Jerusalem to Christ. And then, you know, that being given the Holy Spirit. And that's what Paul's talking about, that your bodies are a temple uh, of the Lord. And, uh, you know, it's not meant to worship uh, the body or what the body can do, but use that gift to give glory to God. And people need, people need to hear that through churches and Christians gathered. Uh, also the mind. Then he goes into uh, the mind. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone 
among you thinks he is wise in this age? Let him become a fool so he can become wise. The wisdom of the world is foolishness with God. Since it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the reasonings of the wise are futile. Uh, For many people, now we found this in Paris. I don't know if it's like this in Frankfurt too, but you know, the mind and the wisdom or the intelligence uh, or maybe academic standing or just thinking how smart you are uh, becomes uh, the idol. And people worship you know, what the mind can do and how smart someone might be and ooh, how strategic uh, you might be or oh, how well you communicate or use words or learn language or things like that. There's the need that we can't make that the foundation of our lives because that's our bodies and our minds, unless Jesus comes before, will be in an earthly grave. And we have a time on this earth and a season, but the only thing that is eternal is Christ. And therefore, we want and pray for our, the people we love and for others that he's in us, in them, so that we'll be eternal too. We actually are eternal, but we're going to one of two places, heaven or hell. And so we can't just worship our bodies, can't just worship our minds, and people need to see that the only thing that is eternal for us to worship is, is Christ and having him and his deposit of the Holy Spirit uh, in us. And then I think, so I, I love most of all in this passage, the end of it. Um, it's, it's really a great verse, but so from the body to the mind to just general desires of life. And I've already really hit on that or alluded to it, but just think about what are the desires of, you, of your life? Like, what do you really, really want? Like, what do you think of? Like, I don't have that and I got to get that and I need that for my life to be complete or fulfilled. I mean, what is that in that blank space? Because the radical nature of the gospel and the truth, what parts of the truth of the gospel, because the truth is like, you know, kind of I always think of the gospel like a diamond. There's so many beautiful angles in here. But part of it we see right here. Look at this. Verse 21. Let no one boast in human leaders. Everything is yours whether Paul, Apollos, Cephas of the world or life or death or things present or things to come. Everything is yours and you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. The radical and true statement and this needs to be preached to all of us including myself. If you have Christ, you have everything. If you have Christ, you have everything. To others out there, if you have Christ, you have everything. You have everything you need for all of life, for all eternity. The need for church planting is that people need to hear that. And in hearing it, they'll know that. Just like Louisa and Amin. You cannot be continually exposed to the gospel over and over again and no change occur. You just can't. It is impossible. Because the power of God is is, stronger than anything. His grace is so strong. And so as we hear it over and over and we're saturated by it, uh, the world will continue to change for the kingdom of God. And the gates of hell will, will, not, uh, will do nothing against it. Um, so there's really nothing to fear. There's nothing that is lacking. You'll have everything. I mean, think about that. In Jesus, you have everything. Praise God.
So as we close, and I'm not sure how you, you close, but I just want to meditate on that. In Jesus Christ, in Jesus, we have everything. And the others out there need to know that and hear that. And so thankful for all of you that you are proclaiming that across nations and will continue to do so. That in Christ we have, it's not just all we need, we just have everything. Let's pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, let us know that more and more. Destroying the idols of our mind, of our bodies, of our desires, and that in you, Jesus, we have everything. And there's so many that need to know that. So help us in our time on earth and in our seasons that you give us until you return. Proclaim that with our words and with our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.